Good morning. Welcome to Trinity. My name is Chris McDaniel, the senior pastor here at the church, and we're so glad to have you join us for our online service. We have a special treat this morning. Our friends at St. Peter's in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, are also joining us. St. Peter's people, welcome. We're so glad to have you here. Uh, Trinity, you guys, St. Peter's is a sister church to ours, led by uh, one of our bishops, T.J. Johnston, who is both a friend and a mentor to, to me and has meant so much to our church over the years. Uh, you people out there in the low country, you're like a church away from home uh, for me and for my family. We spend a lot of time together on Sundays and in retreat environments and simply hanging out in the low country. So welcome. We are so glad to have you with us, friends. Uh, it's a joy to be able to participate. Maybe one of the only good things coming out of this season of remarkable uncertainty is that churches uh, can gather together in ways that we actually never would have been able to do. So welcome. If you have your Bibles, please turn to uh, Luke 24. We're going to open up the word beginning in verse 44 and spend just a little bit of time together trying to see what the Lord would have us to, to see. Let's read. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And see... I'm sending upon you what my father promised, so stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple blessing God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the word of God. And we ask today, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, that you would open up our minds as you did your friends 2000 years ago to understand the scripture. God, we want to see and hear what you have for us today. God, I pray that you would help us to be at peace today. God, comfort us during this season of uncertainty and upheaval. I pray, God, that we would be the kinds of people today who are able to receive life from you, that you would meet us, and help us and grow us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Our passage today actually begins uh, on, on the evening of the resurrection. A number of weeks ago here at Trinity, we looked at the, the passage famously known as the road to Emmaus, Jesus appearing to those two traveling companions who'd left Jerusalem. Well, this picks up right actually on the heels of that. So let me, let me give you a little refresher. Uh, there were two people leaving Jerusalem and they were presumably going back to their home in Emmaus and Jesus himself actually walks up and joins them. Their eyes are not open to see that it's Jesus. They just think he's a stranger on the road. And he asks them, you know, what are you guys up to? And they say, well, we're trying to make sense of something that is uh, really hard to wrap our heads around. We hope that Jesus would be the savior. He died and now people are saying he's alive. And Jesus himself actually walks with them and they invite him into their home, which is such an interesting idea. They invite Jesus into their intimate space, the structure of their intimate space. And when Jesus gets into their home, he actually 
assumes a role of leadership. He sits at the head of the table and he breaks bread. And when he does, their eyes are open. They see that it's actually Jesus. And as soon as they see that it's Jesus, he disappears. They get up and they run back to Jerusalem. And they tell the 11, the disciples, we've seen Jesus. And they say, we, we've also seen Jesus. And while they're speaking, Jesus appears again. And so the words that we just read and that we're going to think about this morning are what Jesus says and does after they see him again on the evening of the resurrection. So there's your context. Let's, let's now jump in. The first thing that I think we need to sit with as we, we see what Jesus does when he's with his friends is that he opens up their minds to understand the scriptures. And I, I'm going to go further because we're the modern friends of Jesus. Jesus wants to open up your mind, my mind, our minds to understand the scripture. So what he did for these ancient friends is really important. They were totally confused. And then Jesus begins to march through the scripture to say, God's been working all along. Effectively, what Jesus says to them is your story, even when it doesn't make any sense to you, is being enfolded into a larger story. God is working. And I think he wants to say the same thing to those of you today who have the ears to hear it. Your story even the parts of it that don't make sense are able to be found within the larger story of the scripture. And only God can open up our minds to actually understand the scripture and to see things. Y'all, the Bible is a really hard book. It's Eastern, it's ancient, and it's huge. And a lot of times we come to the Bible as skeptics or feeling like I'm not going to be able to really get anything from this. I, I can't understand it. One of the jobs of Jesus is to open up our hearts and our minds to understand the scripture. This is why every day when I read the Bible, I ask God to illumine my understanding. And then I read as if I will understand. I don't read as a skeptic. I don't read as a, um, a crushed beginner. I read and say, God, open up my mind to understand the scripture. And then I read in anticipation, fully expecting that he will do the thing I asked him to do. Just this morning, I was reading in the book of Isaiah and I asked the Holy Spirit and asked Jesus to open up my mind to understand the scripture, just like he did for these friends 2000 years ago. And then I receive insight. It's, it's as if words from the pages are kind of standing out to me. And I receive that as revelation and insight from God. I write it down. I take a photo of it to paste it in my Evernote. I send it to, to my wife. That's what I did this morning. I said, this is for us. Y'all, Jesus wants to open up your mind to understand the scripture, but you've got to ask him. You've got to go, do it, Lord. Do it again and again and again. The second thing I want to say to you, though, is not only does Jesus open up our minds generally to understand the scripture, he particularly wants to open up your mind to understand how the cross and the resurrection open us up to live a whole new way of life. The cross and the resurrection actually open us up to experience life change and freedom. That's what Jesus is saying here. I'm going to read what he actually says. He said to his friends, thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations. So Jesus through his suffering and resurrection has made a way for you 
to live a different kind of life. Now, he uses two words, repentance and forgiveness. And we hear those words so frequently as Christians that a lot of us just stop thinking about what they mean. Well, I'm going to unpack what they mean because I believe that the the import and impact of Jesus' teaching is contained in those two words. So what he's saying is what I did at the cross and then my resurrection actually lead you to repentance. So what does repentance mean? Repentance means to think again. Repentance means to change your mind. If you're going on one road, repentance means to stop and go, this doesn't look like the right road. I'm going to recalibrate and get on the correct road so that I actually can live the life and get to where I want to go. If you just want to understand three Greek words, uh, telos, um, hamartia, metanoia. So we'll be nerdy just for a second and then we'll get back to it. Telos is like a bullseye. It's like the direction your life is meant to head. God's best for you. Hamartia, the word we use for sin, means to miss the mark. It means to aim for that bullseye and not hit it, miss. And a lot of us, we miss over and over and over again. So in that sense, sin doesn't mean you love to do it. You have a great time doing the bad thing. Sin just means I miss and I don't get to where I want to go. Well, metanoia, the word for repentance, means to recalibrate, to think again. That's what Jesus is saying. He has done something. He has provided a way for you to rethink your life so that you would be transformed. Repentance is not just feeling sad. Repentance is getting on the right track and becoming the kind of person that you were meant to be all along. That's what Jesus has made available to us. But he's also made forgiveness available. Forgiveness means to have a debt canceled. Something you can't pay is now released. So there's freedom and forgiveness. And so at the end of the day, by going to the cross and doing what he did, by taking upon all of our misses, all of our sins, Jesus has done something for us. He wants you to be free and to be transformed. He wants your life to change. If you go back to the very earliest pages of our Bible, when humans first sinned, they realized that they were naked. And what did they do? They hid. They were ashamed of their vulnerability. And so they hid from God and one another. And then they tried to make clothing for themselves, right? They tried to fix it with fig leaves. And the problem with fig leaves is they're not permanent. So they crack and you know what happens when they break apart. You, you start to feel embarrassed again. So what does God do? He actually clothes humans. The first animal to die recorded in our Bible was killed by God to create skin to cover human shame so that we would come out of hiding. In a very real way, Jesus, through his death, the Lamb of God has created a permanent clothing so that you would come out of hiding and live as a free woman, a free man, someone who could be transformed. And we're called to bear witness to this. The third thing I want to say to you in this passage that I think is worthy of our consideration is this. We Christians, those of us who've received this good work on God's behalf, are called to bear witness regarding, relating to repentance and forgiveness. We're called to be talking about it. Y'all, if we're supposed to be speaking about anything, it's that God wants to change our lives and he wants to live, cause us to live as free men and women Jesus gives a template for how to do this. He says, begin in Jerusalem, begin locally, and then work your way out. That if you're going to be speaking about the good thing that God has done, you need to be speaking about the fact that God wants to bring life change and freedom into the heart of every believer and every person. And I just want to say to you, y'all, that is really, really good news. 
And if we're supposed to be speaking about anything right now, it's good news. It's God's up to something and he wants you to be free and he wants your life to be transformed. But here's the tricky thing. A lot of Christians hear this called a witness, to, to bear witness to repentance and forgiveness. And then we think, well, I need to just get busy. I got to start doing this on my own strength. But that's not what Jesus says. There's no coincidence that immediately after saying, be a witness, he then tells them, I think, what we need to think about, which is the fourth movement in this passage. Jesus calls his friends to anticipate being clothed with the power of the Holy Spirit. He calls us to anticipate being clothed with the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is what that means. We're not called to get busy in our own strength. We're not called to just work hard for God. He says, I want to clothe you with the power of the Holy Spirit. And I love the clothing analogy. If God initially in the early part of our Bible clothed humans to cover shame, now God wants to clothe us with power from on high. The Holy Spirit has come to make believers powerful believers, to, to clothe you, endow you with a kind of power that makes you you, but plus something. The Holy Spirit doesn't want to take away who you are. He wants you to be you, but with power. And Jesus told his early friends, I'm not going to make you work. I'm not going to make you live on your own strength. I'm going to endow you with power. But he told them, I want you to wait for the promise. And I believe the same invitation is in front of each and every one of us. God wants us to learn how to become the kinds of people who actually wait with anticipation, with open hands for the coming endowment of power that only the Holy Spirit can bring. The Lord wants you to be an empowered believer. This is why we have to ask for the work of the Holy Spirit each and every day. Not only does Jesus want to open your mind, but the Holy Spirit has come to endow you with power so that you have power to overcome sin power to face uh, challenging situations, power to live your life in the midst of a pandemic with courage and confidence. This is what the Holy Spirit has come to do. And I find it so encouraging that Jesus tells his early friends, I'm never gonna task you to live your life in your own strength. I'm gonna endow you with power. But y'all, it's our responsibility to make room in our lives each and every day to ask for the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Not only do I get up every morning and ask Jesus and the Spirit to open up my mind, I also ask for power to live my life. And I would suggest that for each and every one of us, that's one of the main call of God uh, moments that he wants us to put in front of him every single day. Here's where we're going to leave it. The fifth movement in this passage is this. Jesus ascends. And I think the ascension means two things for us. A lot of times Christians don't speak about the ascension because we don't really know what to make of it, right? Jesus is, you know, flies up into heaven and we think that's sort of weird and cool, but what do I do with that? Well, I think the ascension means two things. Well, more than two, but I'm, I'm going to tell you two. Number one, the ascension means that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus today in this moment, in the midst of this pandemic, is in a settled place of authority at the right hand of the Father, which means when you pray to Jesus, you are praying to an empowered, authoritative, and settled God. Jesus is not anxious. Jesus is not worried. Jesus, the scripture tells us, is actually interceding to the Father on our behalf. He's praying for you from a settled place. And that gives me the invitation, the ascension gives me the invitation to live my life as if God is totally in control. So I can be confident. I can resist anxiety. 
Because Jesus is sitting at the throne. He's settled. He's done the work. And now he's calling us to live as if he's in charge. So the ascension means that. But the ascension also means that the era of the spirit, the age of the spirit has commenced. Actually, prior to the resurrection, Jesus said uh, to Christians, to you, to me, to his friends, it's good for you that I go because if I don't go, the Holy Spirit won't come. So Jesus himself actually believed that it was good for us that he would leave because if he would ascend, the Holy Spirit would come and be with us forever. And so we live in the age where we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit, where we ask for the gifts of the Holy Spirit so that we would be clothed with power. So I wanna leave you with these two ideas that I think this text invites us to consider. What would your life look like today if you were full of understanding and clothed with power? I believe that's what is on offer. God wants me to be full of understanding and clothed with power. I don't know about you, but I think my life would take on an increasingly transformed dynamic. And that's what God wants. Let's pray. Father, we ask God that you would help us to open up our hearts and minds to you. Jesus, open up our minds, Holy Spirit, endow us with power to live our lives as you would call us to live them, even in the midst of a season of uncertainty. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're able, let's stand together. We're going to pray the words of the Lord's Prayer before we go. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. St. Peter's, we love you so much. Trinity, we'll see you when we see you. Amen.